All right, well, thank you, Pastor Fury, for having um, myself and the family here tonight. We're so glad to be here. And so if you brought your Bible tonight, please turn to the book of Ruth tonight. Just there after Judges, the book of Ruth. We're looking at Ruth chapter 1 this evening. And so just to say a few nice things about uh, Bethel Baptist Church here in Simcoe. So there's our... um, so for years, we went to student convention. Your school went to student convention there in Ajax. And for many years, uh, the Bethel boys were tough competitors. And it was oftentimes, at that time, it was our two churches that would often battle in the finals. So for hockey, floor hockey that year, I did cut two people in the face. And there was blood. This is for real. And white floor, so the gym at Faithway there has a nice white floor. So the first person I cut was Brad Simmons. And he was perfectly fine with it. He actually slid to block a shot. And as I was following through with my stick, my stick hit his chin and cut it wide open. Like he needed stitches. But he's over there and he's like, just put some duct tape on it. Let's go. Right? Let's go. I'm like, yeah. And so they put duct tape and it was still kind of bleeding. And he finished the game. We played Faithway. And I cut a guy at Faithway. Man, you thought he was a European soccer player the way he responded. Arms up in the air and crying and everything. We had to wait for him. It's just... So the nice thing about Simcoe boys is they're men. So, well, it is nice to be here and to uh, fellowship with you. With everything that's been going on with COVID and and all, it's just you kind of feel not isolated, but uh, just kind of you know, you're working so hard at, at your church as a pastor, and you hear things from other churches. And, of course, we have the camp ministry, so we do talk to quite a, bit of, quite a few other churches. And by and large, it just seems like churches are doing well uh, through all this. A lot of churches are doing well with growth and, uh, and just a lot of positive things. And so your pastor was sharing with me some wonderful things that have been happening here at the church, and you guys are doing very well. It's just nice to see this crowd here this evening. Uh, and the meal that we had and the fellowship was just very wonderful. So it's blessing my heart to be able to be here tonight and to minister. This is the first time that I'm actually preaching inside since, I think, April? What was that? Before? No, but April. No, but we didn't do that because remember we did the drive-in? We had three services, May? No, April, though, this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were in cars. I haven't been inside. Before Christmas, you think? So I haven't been preaching inside. I do preach. (laughs) If you're getting nervous, you're like, the chicken was good. But this guy, I have no idea who he is. I'm like... Um, I've aged because of COVID, right? No? Okay, sometimes people are like, oh, you, used to, you look so young. Like, how old are you? And so I'm 36, if you care. But people used to, anyways, don't worry. It'll be okay, maybe. But it's the first time I've preached inside since I don't know when. It's been a while anyways. Ask my wife. She'll know. So I just hope she wrote a good sermon. That's all I'm hoping. And you are too, so... So it's been nice uh, to hear all that's going on with our church. Uh, By God's grace, we are building. So before COVID happened in the year 2020, 
early, I like to get to the church early on Sundays and I'm walking into the basement of the church towards my office and what do I step in? I step in a puddle of water, our basement flooded. Good old sump pump decided to stop working Saturday night. So we had a flooded basement on that Sunday. Months later, we had the fire. Our old gym that we had caught on fire and this all happened in February. My son and I were going to the church to clean the church because the cleaning ladies wanted to get done early because they wanted to go to vacation in Florida. Like, okay, we'll come, we'll help you. And as we're driving up, well, first of all, as we're driving the church, we're like, oh, the fire department, they're out somewhere fighting a fire because we drive by the fire department. And as we get closer to the church, we see this smoke. And I thought, oh, no, uh, farmer's barn is on fire, Connell's farm. If you get closer, oh, maybe there's an accident on the 402. And as we get closer, that feeling hit my stomach. I said, it can't be. It can't be. Go over the hill, and next thing you know, all these fire trucks are at our church. And it just, so the, it is set on fire. And so we've been building this year, which is part of the reason why we can't gather inside. Uh, some of our exits are blocked off as we're in construction. So we're building a new building. It's a multi-purpose building, uh, 10,000 square feet. And so we're hoping to use it as a gym, but also as an auditorium, and then just see how things go uh, with that. So we've also been having some of our highest attendance that we've had, that we've ever had, um, at Harvesters. A couple of weeks ago, we had 11 people get baptized. And so three, uh, there was three couples uh, in that that got baptized. And so we've seen some salvations. We see some people come back to church who are away from ch- the church, away from the Lord. So we've just seen the Lord do some wonderful things uh, during this time of, of COVID. And of course, we haven't had uh, any uh, illnesses in our church or anything like that. So we're very thankful that the Lord has been taking care of us uh, with, with all that has been going on. And so we're very, uh, very thankful uh, for, for everything uh, that is happening. We just thank the Lord so much. So the book of Ruth, I preached this Sunday nights back in the wintertime. And uh, the book of Ruth has just become a very special book to me. How many have heard a sermon from the book of Ruth recently? Right? Besides you guys. Right? So it's a, it's a small book, but it's a beautiful book. It starts off with tragedy. It starts off with bad. Like everything's bad. Everything's going bad. Elimelech makes a terrible decision. Elimelech hears that there is food and, and job opportunity in Moab. And you think, well, what's the big deal about going to Moab? Now, so from where we are down in London, I guess it'd be different here, right? But where we are down in London, the distance from Bethlehem to Moab would be us to Windsor, maybe even a bit, a bit before Windsor. And so about that distance, and so just that far, and so why would you, if there was a famine in the land, why, how is it going to help going that far? And so he left. There's a number of reasons why he could have left, but it was a bad decision to go to Moab. Why Moab? Well, the Lord calls Moab his washpot. Moab, the Moabites are not allowed into the tabernacle for where they are. So here, Elimelech goes to uh, Moab, but tonight we're going to look at verse 6. We're going to start at verse 6. We'll try to get through this chapter tonight. And what I want to address tonight is this, is that we make a lot of choices in life. You made the choice to come here. I made the choice to wear this tonight. I hope it was a good choice. 
I chose to bring a second shirt that was the same color as chicken while I was eating the chicken, right? So we all make choices. Now, Cornell University, I don't know why they would do this, but they estimate that we make 200 and, or 226 decisions each day on food alone. So some choices are hard in life, but some choices are easy. And every individual is responsible for their own choices. But when it comes to eternity, how many choices are there? There's only two. There's only two choices when it comes to heaven and it comes to hell. It's either you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Only two choices. Eternity only has two. And as we look at this passage, we're going to look at three women, and they make different choices. And so we know that Ruth makes a positive choice because the book is Ruth. We're also going to look at Orpah and see the decision that she makes. So we all make decisions that have great impact on us. Elimelech here made a decision many years ago to go to Moab, and what was the result of that? Kilion and Molon, they die. And so now they're stuck with three ladies who are, who are widows because their husbands died. We think about Lot in the book of Genesis. Lot made a terrible decision to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. He made that decision. And so decisions we make have great impact. Joshua and Caleb, they made some wonderful decisions. But to think about eternity and our home with heaven, there are only two choices. You may have to leave here tonight. You go to work tomorrow. You do whatever it is that you have to do. You're going to have a lot of decisions to make. But when it comes to eternity, there's only two decisions. So tonight we'll be looking at these three ladies, Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi, and see the decisions that they've made. So first of all, we see that they heard good news. So in verses 1 to 5 here in the book of Ruth, it's bad. Everything's bad. Everything's just going terrible. But here in verse 6, things start to change. So verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of this place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. So they heard good news is what the ladies are hearing. And it's interesting that they're hearing good news about the Lord providing for them, not in Bethlehem, but in Moab, the place outside of where God's people dwell. And so they heard good news. This is why they made that journey back to Bethlehem. So just, to, just for knowledge's sake, Naomi was married to Elimelech, and then uh, Ruth and Orpah were married to Malon and Kilion. So all the men died. And so it's just these ladies are left. But it says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We see here in verse 6 how it says how she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So visiting is the Lord caring for them. And that the Lord is always there is what that term in the Bible means. We often see it in Scripture that the Lord visited his people. When Jesus Christ came as a baby, it says in Matthew that he visited his people. What's also interesting about the book of Matthew, it starts off by saying that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God is with us. And then the book of Matthew ends after he gives us the Great Commission, lo, I am with you always. 
God is always with us. But there's special times when he visits his people. And here, it could be because the, the judge of Ehud is perhaps at this time coming back. There's a reason why they're hearing that the Lord is visiting his people. So they hear that in Moab, that God has begun to visit his people. Also, it says, but how is he visiting his people? In verse 6, he visits people in giving them bread. So visiting is the Lord caring for them. Bread is providing for their needs in a great way. Bread is a symbol of life. So in this spiritual place, for the time as we see as Boaz, that men began to acknowledge the Lord and to fear the Lord. But bread, so visit his people and provide bread. Remember, there was a famine in the land, so there was no bread. But now in Bethlehem, we see bread. What does Bethlehem mean? Bethlehem means house of bread. That's right, house of bread. Jesus Christ said that he is the bread of life. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, or David, this whole lineage from Ruth, Boaz, Obed, and then Jesse, David, all came from Bethlehem. Jesus Christ is the bread. And so in Moab, people hear that the Lord has, they have heard good news. There is a reason to go to Bethlehem because they heard good news. This good news motivated them to return, to, went th- to go on their way. As it says in verse 7, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way and returned into the land of Judah. They returned. They went that way because they heard good news. And so as they make this journey back to Bethlehem, it is the first step from backsliding is the step of returning. And that is what we want in our churches. And as our churches throughout this country, as I give you a report of people coming back to the Lord, and I hear from reports from your pastor of people coming back to the Lord, anybody who is living in Moab, may they know that God is here visiting his people and that there is bread in this house And that they can come and be nourished by Jesus Christ, his word, break the bread of life, hear the singing, hear the preaching, hear the fellowship, and come back out of Moab. But the first step is that return, that first step making a way back to Bethlehem where there is provision, where there is Jesus Christ, and where we have the blessings. In the Old Testament, the blessing was connected to the land. It's where the blessings would be. It's where the nourishment would be. It's where the safety would be. For us who are New Testament believers in Jesus Christ, the blessing, the connection is in Jesus Christ. He is our land, so to speak. He is our provision. We don't need to live in Moab. Even if there is a famine, we don't need to live in Moab. We live in Bethlehem. So they make their way back. Just like the prodigal son said, he came to himself and began to make the journey. However, though the prodigal son is making the journey, and though Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah are making the journey, nothing is complete until that son, that prodigal son, or that daughter, or that man, or that woman, actually gets through the door and embraces the father. It is not done until that time has happened, until that time happens. So they hear good news. So they hear good news, and as they hear good news, they all made a choice. The first one is that they're coming back. So we see here that Naomi has already made her choice. Praise the Lord, she's going to come back. And that is what we want. We want people to come back and get right with the Lord. 
We want God's people to be revived. But she will need some healing, and it will take time with the right prescription. And I think this is the prescription that Naomi needs. So Naomi is coming back, but Naomi, unfortunately, is a very bitter person. She's very angry. She's very upset about things in life. And you can't say that you can blame her, but in a way, you can kind of have an understanding. She's not being a millennial, you know. I'm just, just a bit older than millennial. She's not complaining about small things. She actually lost her husband and her two boys. She has a lot to be bitter about. So she's making her way back. And so here's the prescription for this healing. She needs her relationship with the Lord rebuilt and built in Jesus Christ. As we saw earlier in verses 1 to 5, Elimelech made that bad decision to leave Bethlehem and to dwell in Moab. But we, we want to come back. She needs the relationship with the Lord rebuilt. She needs a spiritual family. And by God's wonderful grace, in time, that will all be restored as she holds baby Obed one day at the end of the book of Ruth. So as we see here from Naomi, And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with, dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that, you that you may find rest, each one of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I would say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were gone, till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughter. For it grieved me much for your sakes that the land, the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. And so here, as we see with Ruth, she's trying to push them away. But what she needs is fellowship with God's people to restore Naomi. We can clearly see here her bitterness. So she needs fellowship with God's people. As it says in Hebrews 10.24, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. In verse 25, Not forsaken the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as they see the day approaching. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, the nation of Israel and the strangers saved by the blood in the Passover, looking for Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Old Testament saints gathered for the anticipation of the bloody Messiah. That's why they gathered together the Old Testament saints, for the anticipation of the bloody Messiah. But as it says in Hebrews here, why do we gather together? We gather together for the anticipation of King Jesus, the coming King. He's returning. That is why we gather together. And that is why it's so important for us as Christians, even in the face of adversity and fear, that we ought to gather together in the most functional way that we can. So much the more. We have to be ready for when the king comes. Jesus, the Messiah who was on the cross, that has been completed. He has given us victory. We gather together. This is what someone like Naomi needs, who needs to step out of this mode of bitterness. 
And what happens is, is that unfortunately it has a bad effect on Orpah's decision. So Orpah's decision there is that she went halfway. So here's Orpah, the daughter-in-law that did not end up in Bethlehem. So what went wrong? So she went halfway. It says there in verse 7 that they went on their way. They went towards Judah. So she was on the right track, but nothing is final until confession. You know, when we think about church, it's sure nice when someone gets saved and you see them in church and they want to get baptized and they begin growing. And of course, none of that is salvation, the baptism growing. It's just a fruit of salvation. And it just goes to show that this decision was real. But Orpah wasn't there yet. She still hadn't placed her faith in the Lord. And this reminds me of the person who is a visitor for special services just like this. It's you're halfway there. You come to church once in a while. You've been invited to come to church for an occasion like this because people love you and they want you to know Jesus Christ. And you hear the gospel and you're thinking about it, but it's not salvation. It's only halfway. And that's what we find with Orpah. She's only halfway. She is not making that commitment of salvation. As it says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, For he saith, I heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I don't know this crowd. I know some of you from various events and being here before, but I look around, there's a lot of faces I don't recognize. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Pastor Fury would love to show you from the Bible how you can be saved. I can show you from the Bible after service how you can be saved. And that guessing or that consideration can all be put away. But put yourself in Orpah's shoes. You're willing to come, but you're only halfway. And that's the decision that she's making. So she goes halfway, but also she was stopped. So what do you mean she was stopped? Unfortunately, Orpah was influenced by a bitter person who claim to have no hope. And this is Naomi. I read from verses 8 to 14 how she said she had no hope. She said, how can I have a son now or can I get married and have a son? And so she is unfortunately making a bad decision for Orpah. You know, I thought about Naomi here and how she lost everything. She lost her husbands, or her husband, she lost her sons. She lost everything she had. She's coming back to Bethlehem with nothing. And I compared her with Job. Job lost everything, and she lost everything as well. But one was bitter, and one was not bitter. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Only if Naomi was like Job, Orpah may have gotten saved. Now, if we're honest, it's difficult to be right with the Lord when bad things happen, just like Job and just like Naomi. We find ourselves blaming God or criticizing people, but we have to be careful as Christians that we are not like Naomi, that we're just angry at God. Naomi's name is to be pleasant. Happy, that's what her name is. But we see later in this chapter, she says, call me Mara, call me bitter. She's addicted to being a victim. Being a victim is addicting. She's addicted to being a victim. And the cost of it is that Orpah does not get saved. 
all these decisions that we have to make in life. But the decision she's making is affecting someone else coming to Jesus Christ. We have to examine our hearts tonight and say, am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I preventing, preventing somebody from going to Jesus Christ saying, oh, that church, yeah, or, you know, this, blame the Lord, talk, you know, just talk down about things. It's just being like Naomi. You could be causing someone not to come to Jesus Christ because of that. So poor Orpah, she was stopped. She, Naomi says, turn back, go back. There's no hope. There's no hope here. And so poor Orpah, she went back. She went back. So where does she go back to? In verse 15, she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is, well, there in verse 14, Ruth claves to her. And then Naomi says to Ruth, Behold, she said, Thy sister-in-law has gone back into her people and unto her gods. Return thou, at, return thou after thy sister-in-law. You know, go back. Go back to where you were. So poor Orpah here, she went back to temporary relief. She didn't go back to a permanent eternal relief. She went back to temporary relief. It would have been kind of awkward for Orpah to be in Bethlehem. She was a Moabitess. It would have been all new to her, but it would have been salvation. She went back to her people, her comfort zone. She went back to her gods. She went back to a life that she would never be delivered from the condemnation to come. She went back to that. She was never delivered from death to life. And we, as Christians, need to be careful that we're not like Naomi and causing people to, to not come to Jesus Christ. So we see Naomi's decision. We see Orpah's decision. She had two choices, come to Judah or stay in Moab. She unfortunately decided to stay in Moab, but also it's because Naomi was not a help in the situation. But here we see Ruth. Ruth also a Moabitess. Ruth also a Gentile. The book of Ruth is a beautiful picture, a beautiful, almost like a drama series of the church. Boaz is like Jesus Christ, the prince, the redeemer. Ruth is like the Gentiles, us, non-Jewish people. And we want to have salvation. We want to go where there is bread. And believe it or not, as you look at the timeline, Boaz and Ruth perhaps started dating around the Passover. So there's 50 days from the Passover to Pentecost. And around Pentecost time is when they got married, around that time. And so we see this beautiful picture of God bringing in strangers into his family, just like we see in the book of Ephesians. So here's Ruth, her decision. Verse 16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. Whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She makes a confession of salvation there. She makes a trust in Jesus Christ. She was loyal and loved Naomi. We see the character of it. She forsook the world and repented. She said, I'm not going back to Moab. I'm going with you to Bethlehem. She, by confession, had made her final destination that is already secured in the predestination of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did it all for us. And she, by her free will choice, trusted in the salvation to come. 
and she trusted in Jesus Christ. She made the confession. She said, thy people will be my people. As it says in Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And so we see here Ruth with this great faith that she has. And she comes and she says, thy people will be my people. This also reminds me of someone else in the Bible who was also a Gentile, who also had great faith, and who was a lady, and who is in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. This Hall of Famer in the Hall of Faith is ancestor of Jesus Christ, the mother of Boaz, and survivor of the Battle of Jericho. It is Rahab. Rahab did the exact same thing as her future daughter-in-law, Ruth, two Gentiles saying, I want that. I want to leave this, and I want that. And they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Not only that, but they became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how the Lord works. So they all lived with their choices, as we see here. For the sake of time, we won't finish reading the chapter but they returned to the land. So as it says there in verse 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest to give us an indication of what time of year it was. So they all lived with their choices. Tonight, what is your choice? If you find yourself being like Naomi, and perhaps bad things have happened in your life. And may the Lord help you through that. But we have to be careful that we're not leading others away from Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're like Orpah. You have a choice. You're on your way to making a decision for Jesus Christ, but you stop. You say, not today, maybe tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. May you make that decision today. You could be like Ruth. You could be like Ruth and the fact that, no, I want to get saved. I want to leave that all behind and I want to trust Jesus Christ. May you make that decision tonight. So I'll have Pastor Fury come up and lead his church in the invitation how he sees fit. And so tonight, may your decision be a decision that you're willing to make for the Lord. Don't be like Orpah and go halfway. Go all the way towards Jesus Christ. And be like Ruth and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand tonight with their heads bowed and eyes closed. And Daniel's going to begin to play and the altar's open. If God has spoke to your heart, just about and come. Perhaps you've been thinking tonight about that choice, that decision you need to make. Make no doubt about it. You have choices, but you have to make a decision tonight. It's an I'll wait. No, no. To refuse Jesus Christ is a decision. Do you know him as your Savior? He's wonderful. He's a loving Savior. Paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross. So one say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Slip up your hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I promise you. Can I pray for you tonight?